0: Warning, this podcast may contain strong language. Enjoy the show. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to Film Fight, the film analysis podcast where we take two movies with a similar story or plot and see which one is better and why. I'm your host, Zach Becetta, and I'm here with my co-host, television director and artist, Amber Hollinger.
0: Hey, Zach.
1: How's it going, Amber?
0: It's good, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. I love this intro you've written for me to make me sound smart and intelligent. (laughs)
2: Can she write one for me as
0: well? No, this doesn't. Not a
2: miracle broker. You. <laughs>
1: we, we have as well with us uh, sound engineer and post production guru Steve Walter and marketing strategist extraordinaire Jim Vistano. The usual crew,
2: and this is going to be a special guys- episode because we actually all got together and watched one of the movies together. A big event for everyone.
1: Yes, we all distanced yes. and sat in separate chairs and watched a, a <laughs> film together.
2: Tim kept trying to sit in my chair. It was really uncomfortable, but I, you know, I finally had to tell him back off, buddy.
3: I was wearing a mask.
2: <laughs> Not on your face, though. It was really a <laughs> bit
0: well, today's uh, marquee matchup is a reality TV introspection. We're going to be looking at the Truman Show versus Ed TV.
1: Yes, which I was very excited about because I had not seen Ed TV up until now.
0: I had not seen it either. And now I have. Jim and Steve, have you seen it before?
3: Uh, no. this is Jim, and yes, I have.
0: All right. So Jim was the only one who saw Ed TV. The rest of us had not. I feel yeah. so sorry because you saw Wyatt Earp theater, and you also saw Ed TV. I don't know in the theater, but.
3: Yeah, I, mm. did, I did see wider in the theater, yes. It was a very long theater.
0: Did you see a TV in the theater?
3: I think I did
0: oh you poor I think bastard it, I
3: think it, right. it was around the time you know it
1: was like the late 90s
3: i was going to movies all the time at that point mm-hmm. i
1: think yeah this was a matthew mcconaughey blind spot for me but i definitely remember it coming out
0: well let's talk about let's talk about uh, round one let's put the stats of these movies uh tv was released in 1999 and directed by ron howard and you would have to be unconscious in a coma To not know who Ron Howard is at this point.
1: Uh, It's the Ron Howard.
0: Yes. I mean, if you are of an older generation, you would know him from Happy Days and from The Andy Griffith Show. He grew up in Hollywood, actor, director, father, Rance Howard. If you didn't know by now, he has 30 movie credits to his name, including The Da Vinci Code and A Beautiful Mind and Apollo 13 and Parenthood and Backdraft and Willow, also starring Val Kilmer. Splash, one of my favorite movies. I'm trying to grow my hair out to look like Daryl <laughs> Hannah. Cocoon and Solo A Star Wars. It's story. kind of funny
1: what you, you forget how much Ron Howard has done. I mean, even the now. Dudes,
0: a machine. He's so yeah. freaking talented.
2: Yeah, you I do can't, I can't believe you guys have not mentioned that Ron Howard was in The Music Man, the musical. He's one musical? of my favorite roles. Yeah. Yes, you guys probably never even saw it. But yes, he was the little boy that sang <laughs> The Wells Fargo Wagon is a
1: coming. Oh, and, uh, with uh, with Jimmy Cagney?
2: It wasn't James Cagney. It was um, Robert <laughs> Preston. Robert Preston. Shirley yeah. Jones, Buddy Hackett,
1: Ron Howard.
0: Oh, Buddy Hackett. I, uh,
1: I do love Buddy Hackett.
0: I affectionately yeah. know him as the seagull in The Little Mermaid.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, and he was not in either of these films.
0: <laughs> no, um, no, he wasn't. <laughs> tell us about the writers of ed tv it's kind of a hodgepodge of writers
1: i was shocked to find out that ed is technically a remake of a french canadian film called louis the 19th king of the airwaves and that script was written yeah i know that that script was written by emile goudreau and uh sylvie bouchard guessing here the summary of this uh film was removed from these notes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kinda... Well, basically, that was about a guy that won, I think it was a radio contest, and first prize was his life being followed by a camera for three months. And because his life is so boring, the producers of the show decide to spice it up, and I'm sure hilarity ensues from there.
0: Well, that is very similar. Um, Our Ed, played by Matthew McConaughey, in this movie also agrees to have his life filmed by a camera crew for a television show. He just wasn't a video clerk. That was kind of the only difference, I believe.
1: Yes. The Ed TV screenplay was written by Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. And Uh, Lowell Gans, I know, that was my typo, actually. (laughs) Babalu. Uh, Well, Lowell had written a lot of episodes. He wrote some Odd Couple. He wrote some Happy Days, and it turns out, uh, wrote a few of Ron Howard's films, like his second film, Night Shift and Splash, the one you love so he much, Miss Hannah. Yeah. But
0: also, Lowell wrote City Slickers and A League of Their Own. I mean, yeah. those are the well, those are some, movies. Absolutely. City Slickers is one of my favorite. It's, I often quote the, it's just one thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess this Bobaloo guy worked mostly with. He had, he had some TV credits as well, but mostly worked with Lowell on his screenplays.
0: Mandel also worked on *City Slickers* and *A League of Their Own*, mm-hmm. so they were co-writers on those projects. Those were such solid screenplays. It's interesting how the, the TV <laughs> How their their collaboration manifested through EdTV. And EdTV, for other people who hadn't seen it, like myself, stars Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson, Jenna Elfman, and Ellen DeGeneres. And Steve called out right away how many many minutes into the film before Matthew McConaughey loses his shirt?
2: (laughs) I was very close. I was very close. I think I said uh, 30 minutes, and I think we were at 29.
1: Uh, yeah. That was a crush. I it was mine. in yeah. five it was within five minutes for sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember it was also like yeah, Dennis Hopper was in it, and so was the one who played the stepdad. Oh, Carl Reiner. Ed, Ed oh, hi, Harris. Yeah, Carl. Carl Reiner, not Ed Harris. No, the, the dad was the really old guy with the big big oh, glasses. Oh, Martin
1: Landau. And... Oh, Martin yeah. Landau. Yeah. I
2: mean, yeah. it, I kept every time like somebody new came on the screen, we were like, oh my it's god, this person in this movie. It did not perform in the way that I thought it would based it... on the cast. You know what I mean? Clearly,
0: just... Ron Howard called in every. Favor he ever had built up in his career to get all these people to give guest cameos like this.
1: I mean, he'd done some TV movies as well that were not counting, but he this was his 13th film, so it wasn't like Ron Howard was new at it. It's funny that, I don't know, he pulled out all of his favors for this.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it didn't work. It didn't work. It, I mean, Woody Harrelson's character was interesting. I think he was the one that that I kind of bought the most. I mean, you think about Matthew McConaughey and what he's accomplished up to today with his acting style. I mean, it started off like Days of Confused, and you could buy that character because it was essentially Matthew McConaughey. After that, there were some movies that he was in that you're kind of like, eh. But he certainly has hit his stride in the last 10 or 15 years with some of his performances. And in this one, there were pieces of Matthew McConaughey that worked in this movie, but there was so much of it that didn't. I'm not really sure why I didn't like it. I just know that I didn't like it.
0: I can't wait to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about its competitors. We can really get into these two, dissecting these two shows. Uh, Let's talk about The Truman Show. Jim, do you want to tell us about who directed it?
3: Yeah, director Peter Weir. He was born in Australia, and he was directing since the late 60s, not counting TV movies. This was his 12th movie. The Truman Show, and we're comparing The Truman Show with EdTV. The Truman Show, the direction of it and the, the storytelling of it was so unique i think that's what made it stick out a lot more too it's like you have this unique basically the same type of thing reality storm we'll get into how they're different but i mean i think that definitely helped i mean his direction i spot on i thought it was really really good it was released a year before at tv which is another thing that was like I think might have hurt at tv a little bit because it was such a different type of take on this reality type thing and then EdTV came out and it was kind of like a little more expected i think it Well, they were in as- production
0: as you know, it takes years to make a feature film. So they were yeah. in production at the same time. And yeah. when you talk about how Truman Show was directed so daftly, uh, Peter Weir is responsible for movies like Dead Poet Society. Yeah. and mm-hmm. Mosquito Which Coast, is, by the card.
3: way, one of my favorite movies, Dead Poet Society.
0: Oh, it's, who doesn't like that movie? Satan.
3: <laughs> <laughs> my dad.
2: Your dad?
0: <gasps> likes.
2: Oh, he likes it. He likes it. He
3: likes Clark.
0: It shame on yeah, you right how, how dare, dare you, you? I like it.
2: It <laughs> yeah i mean the direction of that movie i just can't say enough about it i was watching it and i remember thinking that this is like a thing that takes you somewhere it wasn't like ed tv i felt like was an episode of The Real World, and they were trying to do that with, with the plot, you know? But Truman Show just knocked it out of the park.
1: Yeah, it seemed like with MTV, they were kind of like, uh, and maybe this happens, uh, and this kind of thing, you know? <laughs> and then Truman Show was very specific, and there's a bunch of stuff to get into, but the directing is, specifically was pretty good.
0: Yeah, well, talk talk about the writer's act for our Truman Show.
1: Uh, this guy... Andrew Nickel. Uh, It was only his second produced script. He had also written Gattaca. And I looked at his other films. Nothing really jumped out at me. He's still writing. Nobody's super big.
0: No, his specialty was actually writing plays and short stories. And he didn't feel confident enough to drive the ship to be the director. So he had directed his own short stories and films previously. But this is really his only big, actually produced screenplay. Kind of interesting.
1: I mean, I haven't seen truman shows since it was in the theater so it's been a while i mean it absolutely held up it affected me so much more this time than the first oh, time i would seen
0: it same here i was just so young when i first saw it that i didn't appreciate its genius watching it just this past week oh, i can't wait yeah. to dig into it well let's talk about this amazing cast the truman show stars jim carrey this is his first major dramatic role it was released the year after liar liar and a year before man on the moon which is the second big dramatic role and that was that was a whole thing if anybody Mm -hmm. remembers the press at that time him playing andy kaufman and him going into like that very deep headspace or
1: watch uh andy yeah Andy and jim i think yeah yeah check that out Be much better if i can remember it yeah
2: he had also done a Cable Guy before this, which was, I think, billed as a comedy, but had this sort of weird, dark, dramatic It was kind a comedy
3: for him, yeah.
2: Up until this point, growing up in the 90s and stuff like that, we had only seen Jim Carrey in these sort of screwball, hilarious roles, an Ace Ventura, and Ace Ventura 2, his stint on In Living the Mask, In Living Color, where he was this comedic genius. And I love it when comedic actors can pull off uh, dramatic the way that Robin Williams did, for instance, in um, Dead Poet Society, well, or in Awake. I was just you know,
0: going to say that it's
2: think- fun to see that that happen.
1: With Jim Carrey as doing stand-up, a lot of what makes stand-up work is understanding empathy. And I think it comes out so clearly in the way he portrays Truman is, you know, that he truly sort of understands or is at least able to convey those sort of emotions. Absolutely. You know, being a comic yeah. actor, it's like the opposite side of it. It's sort of related. I think.
2: They say, you know, doing comedy is harder than doing drama because comedy requires so many levels of acting to make it work and not come off as not funny. I mean, it's harder to do comedy. I don't know because I'm not an actor, but that's what they always say. And, and you know, they are always.
0: Oh like, my God, they're oh, the God. experts. The Hollywood elite. Yes. <laughs> well, we've, well, we've also discussed uh, personally off air that comedians are usually some of the most troubled and depressed individuals and they use comedy to cope. So it's not sure. surprising. And we do know now, all these years later, Jim Carrey absolutely has suffered from depression and you know mental hindrance at time where he's been oppressed by that. So it's not a really big surprise that he was able to tap into this character at such a deep level. It's also starring Ed Harris, who was fantastic. And Ed Harris, I thought it was funny. Apollo 13 and Mm -hmm. A Beautiful Mind, those are movies that Ron Howard directed. Mm -hmm. He's been in Snowpiercer and Gone Baby Gone, written by someone I dated. Um, Uh (laughs) (laughs) Noah Emmerich, Laura Linney, and Natasha McHelm. Am I pronouncing that right? McHelm?
2: Who was she? She was Sylvia. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
2: Yeah, the one that he was going after the whole time.
1: And this might speak again to the directing, but the acting was so good and nuanced, and there's so many details I, I'd like to, to talk about. There's this oh, yeah. the acting as well. Yeah.
0: So in this one, the IMDb summary is an insurance salesman, salesman discovers his whole life is actually a reality TV show. So we can talk about now, like, what makes these two films that are very similar on the surface, what really makes them different? Because they each chose a different avenue to display kind of some very big, broad social commentary remarks.
1: To me, the biggest difference is that EdTV is a commentary on society, and The Truman Show is a commentary on humanity. EdTV is very much a late 90s film, and it really speaks to corporations and companies and taking over somebody's life and making it a commodity. And, and Truman Show does that as well, but there's so much more heart to it. And you really, it's more about Truman is triumphing a word. <laughs> Winning, succeeding, yeah, yes, uh, over over his doubts and fears, and the world that's sort of been placed there before him as an obstacle. And you care about Truman so much more than than Ed.
0: I have to bring this up because Siskel and Ebert first reviewed the Truman Show. They had to apologize to Jim Carrey because they told him he would never have an acting career after Ace Ventura because it's just a broad slapstick comedy. And when we were talking about this, personally off the air. It came about that our own Jim Vistano <laughs> and we had never really... Noticed this before he said it. that he actually? Looked, he oh looks
2: a lot like Jim Carrey.
1: And well, is the weird thing, like Jim, it never occurred to me until he said it out loud, and then I'm like, yeah.
0: When he was younger, almost we started looking at old pictures and we're like, holy shit, he really does look like Jim Carrey. And then no, Jimmy tell, started telling us some stories. So no, I'm so sorry to put you on the spot, but you have to tell these
2: stories. I the one about the hospital is
0: awesome. No, no, everything <laughs> build up. All, all of them. Everything. <laughs>
2: I, I know.
3: Since it's a podcast, you can't see me. And plus, I think if you went back and saw my pictures from my twenties, and you looked at Jim Carrey, I think is about five years older than me. If you look at him around that time, in the early nineties to late nineties, there is definitely a, a similarity. And we're um, gonna
0: we're gonna add a side by side in yeah. The podcast, I'll, I'll, yeah I'll, uh, I'll share column. a picture yeah. in
3: my twenties. The very first time it happened, I was in college. I went to Pepperdine, and I had a friend who was doing stand up comedy, and he was going to go to the comedy store. So So a bunch of our buddies got together and we were just going to go to and support him. And he was going to be performing in what was called the belly room at the time, which I think is a, a smaller venue on the side, you know, from the main stage. And when we got there, I didn't have any cash on me. So I had to run to the ATM and everyone else went in to, you know, get seats. After I got my money, I was going back into the comedy store and I accidentally walked into the main room. And as I was walking in, it's a little dark and stuff. I hear someone call Jim behind me, Jim. So I turn around being that my name is Jim. So I turn around and the, and the guy's like, Hey, are you going up tonight? It's a really good crowd. And I'm like, uh, what? And he's like, you should go up. It's a really good crowd. It's been, it's been hot all night long. You'll do great. You should go up. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And as he's getting closer, he kind of squints, looks at me and he's like, do you know who Jim Carrey is? He looked just like him. And this was before his movies. This was, I think he was just on In Living Color at the time. So he was just starting to get known. I guess he was coming to the comedy store and going up all the time doing standout. So yeah, that was my first foray into being mistaken for Jim Carrey, which everyone thought was hilarious
1: there. I would um, love this- to know who that comic was that mistook you for Jim Carrey. I know, I,
3: you know, I, don't, I, I can't even tell you who it, I, <laughs> I wish I could remember, but I was like in shock. I'm like, what do you mean go up? I know what you're talking about. The second time it happened, I was with my girlfriend, who is now my wife, Leslie, and we were at the California Pizza Kitchen in Brentwood, and we just finished dinner and we're walking out, and as I'm walking out, I walk past this table, and I heard this woman go, Jim, and of course, I turn around again, (laughs) 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 Like, oh my, she's like, oh my gosh, you have to come to my table. It's my 12 year old son's birthday. You're his favorite actor. We named our dog Ace after your movie, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. She goes, please, please. I'm like, I'm not. And she's like, really mean the world to him. And I'm like, Okay, what the hell? I might, you know, he's 12. You no, know, it's like just school over there and Sam Jim Carrey was the big deal. So I go over there. I talk to him for a little bit. You know, I signed his placemat, Jim Carrey. So there's this probably 40 year old guy now walking around if he still has a placemat with not Jim Carrey's signature. It's my signature mm-hmm. with
2: his name. That's brilliant. I love it. It's hilarious.
3: And there was a time, at, I was telling them also at like Universal Studios, I got chased by a bunch of tourists one time thinking I was Jim Carrey. And that was just when Liar Liar came out. And I think Liar Liar was actually playing at the theater at the time in Universal City. There's a the big poster of Jim Carrey and the Liar Liar poster kind of looked like I did at that point. That's kind of how I look. So, you know, I was kind of chased through Universal Studios at one point with my <laughs> wife and like, what's going on? I'm like, just keep running. Just keep running. <laughs> But the hospital one, which is the one that you referred to, is probably the most, well, I don't know, nerve wracking one for me. The one at the hospital was the longest. All these other ones were kind of fleeting moments. The one at the hospital was (coughs) my wife had to get a gallbladder surgery. So she got her, she had to get a gallbladder out. She got it out. And then I was in the recovery room with her. And the poor thing, she gets so sick with anesthesia. So instead, it's an outpatient surgery. So we're supposed to leave, make her surgeries at two. We're supposed to leave at like six. We end up staying to there until like 11, 1130. And then they're like, you have to leave. But between six and 11, we're just hanging out. So I'm sitting there, and around 6, 6.30, I think they do a nurse turnover, so the night nurses come in. So I'm sitting there, and my wife is laying in the bed, kind of leaping in and out, and I'm reading a magazine, and the nurse comes walking in and looks at me and says, oh, oh my gosh. I didn't know. And I'm like, uh, what? She's like, usually they'll let us know if there's going to be a star, a movie star here because we kind of give you like a special room. And I'm like, no, no, no. She's like, oh, uh, listen, I will make sure everything's fine. I'm like, no, I, it's, it, it's fine. It's, it's fine. And she's like, no, 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 I'll be right back. And so she leaves and I'm like, oh my gosh. So she comes back and she's talking this entire time. So I really can't get a word in Edgewise and she's talking about how she loves my movies and what my day. And then I'm like, going with it. for some odd reason, I'm like, oh, I'll just go with it. but I'm stuck in this hospital now for hours. So she's talking about what's my favorite movie, what my scenes? She was talking about the Truman show like Ace Ventura and I was talking about what my favorite parts were acting. <laughs> what, what funny what funny stories I had from the set. I was making all of this stuff up. And inside, I was like dying, thinking,
0: oh, you're going to hell.
3: I am going to feel like <laughs> such an idiot. But this went on for hours and hours, and nothing came of it. We end up leaving from the hospital. And then about two weeks later, we get this little card in the mail from the hospital, and it was at um, UCLA Medical Center in Santa Monica. And we get this card, and it was from that nurse. And the thing is that, I hope you enjoyed your treatment at the UC. Seattle Medical Center. I hope you feel like you got the star treatment in quotes and you had a good time. It was really great meeting you. And she said her name. And I was like, oh my gosh
2: wow well i mean think about it like this jim think about it like this you you brightened people's lives and, and it just took a little bit of lying on your part which yeah. is liar after. liar
0: just like yeah. the movie. well
3: and that, and that and that's the 12 year old boy I was like fine and even the nurse fine. if i got caught i would have been devastatingly embarrassed I, but I,
2: that would have but been, been us, even more hilarious
0: direct truman show correlation though
3: <laughs> so then i'm in the airport <laughs> I don't know if Truman Show of, it came out yet or if it was just filmed and it hasn't come out. I can't remember the exact timing, but I was in the airport with my wife and a couple friends and this girl comes up to me, and I wanna say she's probably 12, 13, 14 years old. And she walks up to me and she's like, you look just like Jim Carrey. And I look at her and go, what makes you think I'm not Jim Carrey? And she's like, I just acted with him in the movie. So I know you're not here.
1: I'm like, bam. Oh, <laughs> That was One time. Time. <laughs> And once you told us who in the movie she was, <laughs> I would argue she was in a scene. See, exactly. And and you, care. Yeah,
3: exactly. I think she was like the blonde girl on the bus, like when yeah. he was like, trying to escape to Chicago and stuff. Yeah. She just turned and said like, oh, yeah, I lied to him, but, but she called me out.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> So oh, that's,
1: that's a nice. great story. That's well, because adults face. see what they want to believe or believe, see what they want to see.
0: Yeah, that's true. Wait, have Zach or Steve? Either of you ever been mistaken for someone famous? Brad Pitt,
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jared, Jared Leto. We'll put sure. up. We'll uh, put up a side by side
3: of Steve yeah. and Brad Pitt, and you guys can see it. It's stunning. How uncanny!
2: Uh, no, actually, uh, I don't even want to say. What? It's embarrassing. Andre Agassi back in the day oh, without that's... the beard. Yeah. That's yeah. That's very yeah. kind. I, you, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I know I mean, that, no. that's
1: very kind.
0: All right, I'll no, see I you guys mean, later. No, no, <laughs> I'm on. saying, that's Bye. a compliment. Andre, obviously, in his prime, was super smoking hot. Yeah, and wasn't he dating thought, Brooke Shields at one yeah, point? Somebody yeah, somebody thought you were Andre, obviously, my God, I, take that all day long. You know,
2: I actually got Woody Harrelson from Natural Born Killers uh, before I had the beer. <laughs> So that wasn't too bad either. Only because I was trying to stab somebody at the time. But that's... (laughs) You deserve it.
0: You guys can't see, even though eventually we'll have like pictures up on our podcast site. Steve is a cutie patootie. He's... There's no problems there. No problems (laughs) there. No issues there, women. Andre Agassi should be flattered if somebody says that he looks like Steve Walter.
2: Well, there you go. Now you're Mm -hmm. talking. That's right. What about you, Amber? Anybody ever said that you look like Not any. Well,
0: only as of recently, people compare me to Daryl Hannah. Because I okay, have long I have long blonde mermaid hair and that's about it. That's it. <laughs> I'm not beautiful like her. I just have long blonde hair.
2: I disagree. I, I think Zach I has was... long mermaid hair as well.
0: Yes. <laughs> well,
1: also a lot of our, our listeners don't know that Amber is 50 foot, uh, feet tall. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is also draws a Daryl Hannah comparison.
0: <laughs> when I was she younger. Has a tail,
3: right? She has a flipper tail, so yeah. that's another thing. When I was Here's... younger,
0: people would compare me to Meg Tilly. Ooh. I like I like, I like
2: both the Tilly sisters, mm-hmm. Meg and Jennifer.
1: Jennifer
0: yeah oh yeah i was only compared to now which one was i compared to which one <laughs> of those
1: one of those Tilly well guys? jennifer tilly's a brunette so probably not her
0: oh no it was her then <laughs> oh it was. Oh, i used to be a brunette
1: uh-oh. oh no the truth yeah. comes out
0: <laughs> i'm not trying to fool anyone
1: <laughs> well Zach, what, what about yes. you not you really i mean more like oh hey you know you kind of look like so-and-so maybe but not but really i'm not
3: saying nathan
2: fillion i think
1: you look yeah
3: like, i was i was uh, thinking to see, it, see it. That?
1: Or the
2: guy from Friday Night Lights who was also in- uh Kyle Chandler? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like Kyle Chandler. Those those are good. This guy behind me in line at a Quiznos once told me I looked like Tom Brady, but I think he was just flirting with me.
0: Jeez, I, I would take that all day long too. Is exactly, <laughs> that well, you actually do have an actor look? If I were to see you out someplace and didn't know you, I'd be like, yeah. "Oh, you're." Uh, I an wish
1: actor. I wish people thought that you know eight years ago when I was acting. <laughs>
0: uh... <laughs> but thank you. <laughs>
2: One of the bits that I liked in the Truman Show was the whole cast was in on it, like that part of it, how they would, not just the the goons that would go and shuffle, like when the dad came in, they shuffled the dad off, or the guys that would always kind of be peering at him that he started to notice later on, but like the bus driver was also the boat driver. And the guys who would constantly grab him in the morning, the two twin guys, and shove him up against the wall so they could hawk whatever. And the product placement in Truman Show, they were fake products in the, EdTV, the product placement was so blatant, but it was never mentioned. And they were actual products. So I wonder if there was actually a contract Oh, for that sure. show. Or mm-hmm. if it was just like, hey, we're gonna put Kentucky Fried Chicken in every seat. We're gonna oh, put again, okay. well, Pepsi in every you, seat.
0: You know legally that you couldn't put your product placement in there without express consent from that company. So there had you to know, be a symbiotic relationship in that.
2: I have a friend that used to write contracts for product placement. And now I just oh. remember that that ha- that's actually a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kids, if you absolutely. wanna work if you want to work in Hollywood, learn how to write contracts Yo, for product placement. One of
1: my, my temp jobs was consolidating space in a, a warehouse that was all product placement stuff. Oh, wow. I know, they did. there was a product placement company, and they just had a whole warehouse of, of stuff, and uh, I got, like, some free shoes. The guy that ran, gave me a, a PlayStation. They just had a PlayStation laying around. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I also think that that level of product placement was kind of a late 90s thing, mm-hmm. too. You know what I mean? Like, I even remember in Wayne's World, too, they specifically made fun of, you know, how there's oh. Doritos and Pepsi and Nike and all these movies.
0: It's a way to sponsor your movie. Obviously, that's that's part of how your movie gets made is these people are funding your movie and in both EdTV and Truman Show it was an obvious satirical play, social commentary of product placement. And, I and they were both probably... 24
1: hours, yep. twenty-four yes. hour broadcast so it required product placements because there were no commercials. Except for those little banners at the bottom of EdTV, I guess that's yeah. Which
2: actually got more, as the movie went on in EdTV they got bigger and not quite so localized. They started off with like Barney's plumbing on second street in San Francisco by the end of it they were you know like national ads for bigger products that was one of the See, things See I it never just...
1: picked up on that and like the stuff yeah. in Truman show like there were all these little details that I noticed and I feel like EdTV so much just went right by me
2: there was the audience interaction with both the shows was such an integral part of because we're supposed to be the audience right like we're and, and in that case I could not have cared less for the drama that was put into EdTV with the girlfriend or the brother, it just mm-hmm. it came across as produced, like overly produced. And in the Truman Show, which was actually more produced, I mean they literally put a storm in the end to add drama. It, it felt like I would I would have loved to have watched the Truman Show as a person. Like if this is a real situation, I would have been into the Truman Show. I probably couldn't have cared less about Ed TV. I I
0: would have rather watched sports or something else. That's what was a big thing for me, is that both films start out with the main character not really making their own choices. Choices are being made for them. In The Truman Show, obviously he's been built into this fabricated world, so he's not aware of his reality quite yet. So he is genuinely naive in a way that we can believe. Well, but he
1: only understands what he's been told, so his entire childhood is very specific your home is the best place to be, don't travel, don't explore.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, In the travel agency of planes crashing, yeah.
3: this could happen to you. like lightning going through the plane. Super, this could happen to specific. you. Super
0: specific. So the, yeah. the, it, the writers I thought were super clever about making Truman naive, whereas Ed doesn't make his own decisions until almost the end of the film. He doesn't really, none of his actions really motivate or drive the story at all. All these things start happening to him and they play him as basically a, a hill stupid person, mm-hmm. which is part of, I think the satirical play on the social commentary of, Hey, we're just going to put somebody in front of a camera and they're just going to be famous for being famous. They're not talented. They don't know anything. In fact, they're just kind of fame hungry, but Ed was nothing. He was no-, no part of any of that. He didn't really care about what happened to him. He had no goals, no ambition in life. So built into the fabric of screenwriting in a 101 on one kind of way is that... Right away, you have to know what your main character wants, and then you, as the audience, have to go on this journey because you end up wanting the same thing for them. Ed didn't want anything. There was no goal that he had. He was floating through life, having things happen to him. It's very hard as an audience member to be invested in that.
1: Yeah, Ed was a very reactive character, and Truman was a very, Proactive, yeah.
2: He was making his, towards the end there, he was certainly making his own choices. I think the one thing that Ed did want was for Jenna Elfman, not Jenna Elfman, who was the girl? Yeah, Yeah, Jenna Elfman. Elfman. Uh, Oh, he wanted her eyebrows to grow back. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we all did. I wasn't seen, so Amber's right. We want what he wants.
2: <laughs> and then they they added that other girl in at the end. And oh, Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah, yeah, so she came in was a plant, and she was obviously well. She was a wannabe actress. It was. It was. Like yeah, she wanted to yeah. be on
3: it just to get fame. Basically, is what her part. Was. It, it felt it's... so shoehorned in. Yeah.
0: Well, and yeah. there so many great concepts in there because if you're talking about satirizing reality TV, both of these movies had the right intent just it was very clear watching these two movies back to back ed tv kind of floundered through its satire originally the writers wanted it to be a comedy and then tried to force it into a drama whereas the right. truman show writer only one writer yeah it was a drama the whole way through there were sprinkles of laughs in there but it was a drama we were going on a journey with this person. oh well
1: you remember we were watching EdTV and we were like how long do you think it's got left and it was like an hour and a half yeah. remaining yeah. or something what like are that
0: they gonna, what are they gonna
1: do <laughs> exactly and i started truman show and it was an hour 45 minutes i could not stop watching it yeah
0: five minutes into the truman show they had already established who truman was and what world he was living in and you could already see the seeds being planted of what your story was and what his wants were and then it just let the story unfold it took over halfway through the movie to even get an idea of where what ed might want out of this experience or where we were going it was very hapless in it in its construct.
3: He started in day one. It's like people are watching and and getting invested in this. For the Truman Show, they started the movie on day like 10,900 and something. So people have been watching this show for years and years and years. So you can you can buy the investment they have on this. The TV stuff, they're watching it and you're kind of watching, but it's like, do you really have an investment in this guy? Not, like you said, nothing's really happening. It's kind exactly. of boring. But Truman, they've been watch, they've watched this little baby grow up to this man and they're really investing in this guy's life. So I, I get watching that 20, 24-7 at some point. At TV, I'm like, you're kidding me, right? This guy's not <laughs> doing anything. Why would Why would this be on TV all the time?
0: Oh, right. We even commented because- while we were watching the movie, we all commented if you could pick anybody in the world to watch, why is this the only candidate we see?
2: Right. Yeah, some douche. I'm curious what you guys think. Knowing what we know, because we're watching these movies with today's reality television sort of infrastructure. When these movies came out, that type of reality TV had just started happening, right? Like the real world. Survivor was still
1: a couple years away, yeah.
2: I think that they were a little ahead of the curve as far as putting regular dolts on television and people eating it up.
3: That's exactly how reality TV is right now. It's more like Ed TV. It's like you're watching Watching these people and as the movie went on he started playing to the camera it wasn't him being him anymore he was doing what he should say or what he should do and that's the way reality TV is now I think we talked about like the real world when the real world came out the first one was kind of real because they weren't trying to put on any pretense because they they didn't know but now if you watch any of the housewives shows and all that stuff you could tell it's all scripted they make up this drama because that's what people want to watch but it's not really reality it's made up people are tired of watching actors and all this pretense and stuff like that. They want to see something real. Well, reality TV is not real in the real world now. It's not real. Basically, reality TV is just as scripted as anything else.
2: Did you guys think when you were watching let's say season two or season three of Real World or or Road Rules that what you were seeing was real? And at what point in your reality watching lives, because we all are a product of this sort of evolution of reality television, at what point did you realize, wait a minute, this is obviously being produced. There's no way this much drama is happening because nobody's life is like that. You know what I mean? I, do you my remember? I, like I, I, <laughs> people throwing drinks in your face and, and uh, yeah.
0: Stephen, I jumped out of a moving vehicle on a first date.
2: <laughs> How Good fast reason. is it going? That's scary. I'm like twenty miles an hour, maybe. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I just do you remember that moment? Do you remember saying like, wait a minute? I remember saying this is obviously <laughs> fake, you know, and, and now looking at it, when you watch the Kardashians or The Bachelor or even some of these HGTV shows that are fixer upper kind of things, you can sort of step back and go, OK, I'm just interested because these people are interesting, not because what I think they're doing is right.
0: real. I think because I work in television, I kind of always had the insider knowledge that this stuff wasn't quite real. It's still entertainment, but you're right. There was more of a raw unawareness in those first few seasons of these shows starting up that it was more real. They took more footage. And eventually, if you put a bunch of people together and you just videotape them, you're going to have interaction and conflict, which drives the viewers. And they just tapped into that conflict and realized, oh that's exciting and we're gonna amp that up more. And the premise of EdTV Ed tv is fantastic there's absolutely on point it was just the execution that failed well
1: i'm not sure it really lends itself to a it. film the time structure like jim was talking about since it's just starting out it's so hard to believe that people would care about this. especially in 2021 i guess i think that's the real difference you know maybe in 1999 it would have been like a big deal oh this guy's on tv 24 7 but now who can oh, give no a shit?
0: way this this <laughs> thing today could be made we could do a remake of this today and structure it in such a way that you could start with somebody being plucked out of obscurity and put on camera and go through the foils i mean think about any rags to riches but with the truman it,
1: show it's more about this guy getting out of this fake world that's been set for him with EdTV, tv
0: well, it's we're just, just talking about guy. two different stories if you had structured ed tv differently with different stakes and you didn't waste all this time bringing in the long last dad and some of these other things that didn't make any difference, they didn't propel the story forward at all, we could write a screenplay now with that concept that would be super strong and engaging, learning from the mistakes that a TV made.
1: In and of itself, that premise doesn't, like, uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, today thousand percent works.
1: I guess. I just thought, like, what's the conflict then? Like, what's the, in, in 2021?
0: It's the same thing. If you're taking, I mean, remember, we are normal people, so you're speaking at the general public as normal people. You take one of us, pluck us out of obscurity, and put us on camera 24-7, and all the excitement and possibilities yeah, of fame. No, <laughs> there but would be it's a,
2: done There would be a lot of, like, nose-picking and masturbation. Yeah, exactly. That's no, the
0: thing I'm of scared course, of the but most. of course... You'd construct it in such a way where you're getting your point across, where this seems like a great idea. And then when you're actually living it and you're having to experience all the consequences of that, the invasion of privacy and the constant scrutiny like i really appreciated the way that they hammered on jenna elfman's appearance all the time is exactly mm-hmm. what happens in reality tv today that's true. Every, that's true there's a lot of gold to be mined from this area so i think a tv even today could be made into an amazing movie i think that they kind of lost their way and i can't help but look at four writers compared to one writer
1: technically two writers
0: still with the influence you've got these other two sure. guys that influenced it sure. heavenly and every time we do a podcast and we have a show like two movie matchup where we have one movie that had multiple writers and one movie that had one writer mm-hmm. usually the movie that had one voice is stronger clearer can't help. absolutely but look at that absolutely mm-hmm.
1: there's so much about ed TV that just like i mean like don't get me wrong i think i really need to say that there were a lot of parts in ed TV that made me laugh was it a terrible movie? No. No. I enjoyed it. But Woody Truman show is Woody Harrelson's oh, freaking great. Stole the ship. But Truman Show is just is just a movie. It's like a it's like a film. It's like there's so much to it. Yeah.
2: It was a film in the sort of the classic sense in that there's a hero, there's this great story, rising arc action, and there's this amazing payoff. I don't know if you want to talk about that yet, but Oh, sure. just before
1: before you do, I just have to point out that how important the music was to the Truman Show, because when he's discovering that his world is messed up, it's never creepy or, or mm. scary. The music is always very triumphant. No. and like you're right. you're rooting for him rather than paranoid about it but yeah, yeah go on to the ending. The
3: one more quick thing the, the difference between Ed and Truman too Ed knew he was being filmed he signed up for it. Truman there's nothing so you kind of do feel that sympathy that empathy for him because it's like he didn't sign up for this He this is his life and is it fair now as an adult that he be subjected to this without him even knowing what's going on whereas Ed signed up for it. He didn't know exactly what he was getting into No it. because he was he an
0: idiot. I think it. he was you know? in total <laughs> imbecile <laughs> who had a lobotomy did, by the way um, uh, fred fred steiner composed the truman show and he's known for was... rocky rocky and bullwinkle show perry mason star trek of color purple return of the jedi wow,
2: wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. So that, uh, that played a huge part and and the bit, speaking of music, when he meets his dad, talking about the Truman show now, when he meets his dad on the pier and Christoph's, you know, and Harris's character is actually directing the music at the, I mean, it's such a great moment thematically. It's also kind of a a surreal sort of meta moment because the music for the movie is the music that he's producing for the Truman show. So it's this very meta moment that is just so masterfully done and I mean, I can't get over uh, Ed Harris's performance. Oh, Everybody, it was so good. There, I mean, Laura so Linney, of course, Jim Carrey, and the friend. Are so good, and it's almost
1: Noah Emmerich.
2: Noah Emmerich. Yeah, there could have been a moment of real heartbreak there when he finds out that everybody's been lying to him, but it didn't come across that way. It more came across of I want to find out what the truth is, and I need to figure out what's going on. And it wasn't right. like it could have turned into something really, really well, sad. And it didn't.
3: When it he was, was sitting on that pier though, or whatever that thing, and he was talking to his friend about the whole thing. And Ed Harris is in the friend's ear saying, say this, say this, say this. Yeah, that it was, was a little, a little heartbreaking. Cause you could <sighs> tell the guy was saying what he needed to say, but he felt so bad yes. because <sighs> he's like, yeah.
1: And, and there was exactly.
3: never a line of dialogue about it. It was all in his reaction. Yep. Mm. yep. Yeah, you the so, way was saying it and how he was kind of welling up about the whole thing. He's like, I can't believe I have to say this like this. These, I mean, all these actors in the Truman show grew up with him. They are a part of his
1: family, even though it's not a real family. They still, right. he was his best friend. And you have to imagine that it's real for Marlon too, right. to some degree. Right. right. Yeah. Not for the
0: wife. They, mean, made it, they made it really clear that his wife, just a part...
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder like they never
2: quite got into it. There was a moment there on the elevator when the when the scene broke, you know, when they could see the, yeah. the craft services table. But they never really got into if she had a life outside of the Truman show, if there was something yes, which they, they kind did. of hint
0: at it, yeah. They did, yeah. Because she yeah. has a she has two wedding rings, which means that she's married outside of this show. Oh. Oh, I didn't
1: yeah. pick up on that. I didn't know what that meant. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So he uh, saw the, pho- the, the
2: photo, yeah. and she had mm-hmm. two rings on, Yeah, you know? So she, she had to cross it. off or whatever. She,
1: was, she yeah. crossed
2: her finger to cover up the one wedding ring or something. I mean, it, it was... Uh, yeah. It, it yeah. Also- but it let
0: you go that even in her, her little pre-interview at the head of the film where she's the actress talking to the camera about her being on the Truman show, and she's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a lifestyle, the role of a mm-hmm. lifetime kind of thing, but she clearly is married to some else out in the real world
1: yeah right and also marlon too when he he mentions getting uh pneumonia and then he's like yeah you were gone all summer when clearly the actor got off for the summer (laughs) right (laughs) exactly that's
2: right so talking about the end of this movie. So as he, he does this great sort of escape from Witch Mountain bit where he covers himself <laughs> up and puts a snoring machine on and he, he manages too. to escape. And, yeah, very Ferris Bueller. He makes a tunnel and Paul Giamatti's character, who is sort of the second AD or the associate producer or whatever, is supposed to be watching, but yet he's doing something else. And when Christoph comes back, and that's when the sort of Shawshank moment happens when they're like, oh, we got to find him. And he winds up being on a boat, which to him is like his he own most- personal...
1: Yeah, his terrifying. personal hell. Yes.
2: Yeah, but the fact that he had the bravery to do that, and you gotta wonder if Christoph would have known how to end the show. Like, how could it have ended? Would they were just gonna keep going and have a baby, get old, and they die? But like, the what a let
3: everyone had on. How? Yeah, it-
2: what a letdown it would have been. I don't think had you written uh, as a producer, I'm putting myself in Christoph's shoes as a producer, you could not have made a better ending okay. because your character is the hero. He does exactly what everybody wanted him to do, and that moment when he's on that boat and he essentially dies i mean the boat turns over he's drowning and then they turn off the rain the boat flips up and so he's now made it through and as it sails into the sunset it wasn't the sunset but the clouds Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. it breaks through literally breaks through the wall of the set it's it's like i think to me one of the most powerful moments yeah. In any movie sort of climax, it, it mm-hmm. abruptly drops you right where he yeah. is. You know what I mean? Goes it's away. a
0: literal breakthrough for Truman.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Brilliantly done. Brilliantly yeah. directed the script, everything. it's it, interesting is if you go here in uh, Los Angeles, if you go to the Paramount lot, that cloudscape is still there.
1: Oh, really?
2: It's, yes. So there's a parking lot there in Paramount that is actually sunken down that they can fill up with water, and that's where he sailed into wow. that. I visit a friend of mine there uh, you know, several times, and I always go, there's Truman Show, and it's such a neat thing to have that Hollywood thing hey. still be there.
1: You know, Ed so, Harris's wow. performance in particular was so important to that end because it's so kind of a complicated character where like you really get that he – not only cares about Truman, but genuinely loves him as like a son and his father. Yeah, he's the father. He is the father. And yet he is willing
3: to drive him to death potentially. He did not want him to leave. He did not want this to
1: end. Yeah, you know,
0: the ego, the it, ego it, there, which it, is so you know representative of the Hollywood ego that we see behind the scenes right now, or they,
1: they even make a point to say how private Christoph is and how he yes. doesn't like yeah. his privacy infringed upon. Yeah. Oh sure, I thought that, that was it, yeah. fascinating.
0: Was like, really and yes. Did
1: you notice another commonality between the two films? Mr. Harry Shearer was in both. Oh What's no, it? Mr. Burns? No, Harry. Sh- oh yes, Mr. Burns. No, he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Every time I hear him talk, I either hear Mr. Burns or Smithers. That's all.
1: Yes, <laughs> because he was in the panel on on TV talking about EdTV, and he also interviews Kristoff in, in Truman Show. That good catch, Zach. That
2: wow. we we're talking so much about the production of the Truman Show and how wonderful it was lends itself to saying how poorly the production was of EdTV, and that Ellen DeGeneres' character was supposed to be, I think, somewhat of a redeeming character, and that it was her idea and nobody bought it, and she was supposed to be this producer. And and then once it started to work, immediately Rob Reiner swoops in and said it was his idea, and so she gets all bent out of shape. And it was weird for me to see Rob Ryder in this role because I'm not used to him being a bad guy. But in this role, he was very slimy, and I didn't like him, and it was it was hard for me to see that because I, I I like him, and which really was like
0: which him. is good on him because he was believable as being an asshole. And anyone who's worked behind the scenes in Hollywood has seen a thousand times somebody coming up with an idea and somebody stealing it. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. And you have to, just like Ellen's character, that's true to life. I have to sit there with my mouth shut to keep my job and let somebody else take my idea. There's a lot of really true gritty things in EdTV happening. It just... I don't know. Like, it's so drawn out. Like, it had the wired herp syndrome, where it's just like, <laughs> let's show every bit of footage that we have. Don't even edit this thing. Let's just shoot for days. Just put, put it together. Everything that just put up everything that we shot, even if it doesn't move the story forward, even if it doesn't make sense. We have to go back and talk about the love interest thing because I'm so crazy confused as a storyteller, the whole introduction of Jenna Elphins Sherry character. The first time that we're introduced to her is when Ray, Matthew McConaughey's Ed character's brother, comes into the pool hall bar where they all are and he says, basically, this new girl that I'm dating. I just met her parents and she's really the one. And Ed seems confused. Like, why are you moving so fast? Because he's clearly blown through a lot of girls because he just said that it's this new girl and the new flavor of the month. And then all of a sudden we are supposed to believe that these two people, Ed and Sherry, have been secretly pining for each other the entire relationship when we just see them sit down and have a conversation like they have just met. Right. It is the strangest I thing. took it then, as they
1: had just met and that she just liked Matthew McConaughey. It
0: yeah, was so love like, at so first, first sight. sight. Well, then you go, there's the made Manhattan complex where <laughs> you, you just see somebody and that's it. And then well, of it, it says right here in the script. Ray. She <laughs> hates Ray. From the first time that we see her interact with Ray, she hates him. Yeah, And yet she's continuing to date him this whole time.
1: Well, it's a a ham-fisted script for sure. I mean, like, it just barrels its way into the premise and then, like, they're kind of there. There's no real uh, conflict. And then the Carl Reiner character gets his comeuppance because it's revealed that he's got a penile
0: implant. Should be no shame in that, by the way, but... I have a penile <laughs> implant. I'm just saying. Exactly. <laughs>
2: that, that was the worst. It just bothered me that that, that was the thing that they were going to go with that was going <laughs> to cut off the show that all of a sudden he's going to have a penile implant. And that evidently oh. came up in another one of Ron Howard's movies as well, where uh, they use <laughs> the penile implant as a impetus for somebody making a decision. Which
0: Ron Howard? what is, What is he saying here? This is very important. This is weird. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if penile implants are a thing or not. I mean, I guess right? they are. But-
0: when you're baited like that for the secret that's going to take down this multi-billion dollar franchise they've just created. And it's just the ego of one guy having a penile implant. The stakes just see it. So yeah. cheesy. They couldn't figure out, is this a comedy or a drama? So you're, you as an audience member, like, was that supposed to be funny? I don't know.
2: If- if he was truly a good producer and, and a smart producer, he would have let that go because it would have been something to talk about. People would have been Absolutely. like, oh my God.
1: It would be slander anyway. he it was legal true. Te- well, you know, well, the legal team know. over at that corporation could figure
0: something out. What are you going to do with Ed? He's a loose cannon now. That's true. And then finally, like, yeah. finally you know, he's a... Dumbass, this entire film, but finally he's brilliant at the end. Like, I, this is what I'm going to do. I can outsmart this billion dollar company where before I couldn't even wake up without my hands in my pants, remembering it <laughs> was being filmed. Right. Yeah. Well,
1: well, I, I
0: mean,
2: mean like remember, the third or fourth day? He had asked all the people to phone in their dirty little secrets, and that's the best that he could yeah. do. Like, they're oh, having yeah. a yeah. Well, I mean, a,
0: apparently because a, a he.
2: Embezzlement <laughs> or something. Really, yeah. terribly, like you know, like it's. This is a Hollywood executive producer. He
0: right. definitely has he some
2: skeleton. Yeah. a skeleton. Yeah. we all know, like if
0: there's anything that we know, it's all roads lead to Dick. That's all it is. <laughs> it I'm gonna save just... that.
2: I'm gonna save that sound bite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but true, right? You know, anytime I'm in a big group of guys, it's just a matter of time before it's about the dick. Somebody's gonna make a dick joke. Always about the dick. It just is.
2: We're just so cavemen, maybe just me just maybe just... as a woman, I just don't like.
0: <laughs> we're just cave- We're just cavemen. It's
1: it's all you know. It's <laughs> all it is. I wanted to to ask you guys. I know we're going back and forth between films, but uh did you guys notice the love him, protect him T-shirts? Yep. That yes. The we're wearing. Yes. Well, I thought that. I mean, like it was bizarre. <laughs> it was almost like a religious. Thing. I don't know. I just thought it was strange. I'll bet there was a scene that was
2: cut that dealt with that because it did seem a little bit Wait, odd. In that which that movie? Was, Truman, Truman, was Truman Show. Oh. So the, the crew behind Christoph and, and Paul Giamatti, uh, when they, I guess it was like the PA people, yeah, or they over. were all wearing shirts that said, love him, protect yeah, him.
0: Right
1: Are they talking about Truman or Christoph? <laughs> you know what I mean? And,
0: <laughs> as you can see at the very end where Ed Harris is going off the rails. No. Everybody else takes a step back. Paul Giamatti's right, yes. character is like, I'm not going to try this I'm person. You're crazy. You press the button. It's not going to be on my hands. But that's another wonderful story point is that they didn't have to bash you over the head with, yeah. look at my t-shirt.
1: Totally. Like it was not spoon fed to you. Like it's stuff you kind of notice as, as a viewer.
0: Audiences in general are not st- stupid
1: movies are
0: well movies treat you like (laughs) you're like ed tv i think treated you a little bit like you were stupid and ron howard as we know is a brilliant director a great storyteller i wonder where he got lost in this journey
2: you know his brother was in it and it was actually one of the better characters (laughs) yeah howard is
1: always great Yeah,
2: he was the guy in the van that never slept (laughs) with the terrible hair plugs (laughs) with the terrible hair plugs watching Ed TV. We were always kind of like, what? Day is it? The only time we knew anything changed was when Matthew McConaughey's character was waking up with his hands in his pants. I think (laughs) at a certain point they were like, "You have to do this. You have to do that." And and his big conflict was either getting paid a bunch of money or quitting the show, and he had no idea what to do. He just wanted to go be with Jenna Elfman, and she didn't want to have nothing to do with him. She did. In the Truman Show, you felt like a lot of people were in that world. It must have been the thing to watch. It was 30 years. He was 30 years old so that's 30 years of programming
0: think about the economic impact you've created an entire town that's cast full of actors that are getting paid, this is their livelihood versus Matthew McConaughey's Ed character, he's got one brother who's trying to talk him into getting money so they can go and do this one venture, but it's not his idea if they had set up ahead of time the financial struggle this family was having and how dire it was that they bring in income, then you have an invested stake already, going into it and you can understand why somebody would subject themselves to this or they have a noble cause. Because he has no agency or choice going into it, you don't give a shit. Like, he doesn't care that he's poor and jobless, apparently. Yeah. We, we don't even know if he has a job. He never goes to work. Yeah. You Again, kind
1: it. of a 90s thing. The yeah. guy that just doesn't give a... give a, Can we say shit? I forget. <laughs>
0: can we say shit? But here we are. But you're talking about the 90s. These two movies came out a year apart. They were No, I know. I'm saying, like, Truman time. Show
1: was trying to do something. Edtv yeah. was trying to capitalize on a time mm-hmm. in society yeah. to me
2: the one thing that i kind of i guess i liked about ed was that the sets and the wardrobe those worked. <laughs> like that the wardrobe was great the set design all of the i guess because it was happening in the time that it was being filmed right what like the, it wasn't
3: was there a wardrobe i just thought he had well a, a, oh, i just remember uh, uh woody harrelson steve just <laughs> wished there was
0: less wardrobe he's like just well, like, I remember, I, no.
2: Woody Harrelson, his his wardrobe was great, and he really, oh, yeah. honestly, I know we talked about him before, but I think I it was worth mentioning again. Oh, yes. he was so good. You know, nice. like, I think. Hold it. He, so underrated, you know, he's had some really good roles over the years, and, and this one he sort of to me was the only thing worth really watching. Matthew McConaughey hadn't hit his stride yet, and I couldn't get over Jed Elephant's eyebrows. But he, yeah, Woody Harrelson, was interesting, yeah. he had an angle, he played like the,
0: the chicken else dance, could have played that
2: right. He was the only bit that worked, and yeah, and the Truman show, you don't know what time frame does it take place like they've set the town is very 50s yeah and the wardrobe was yeah very 1950s big wool he was wearing these big thick wool suits and these very very strange 50s and 60s yeah Yeah. well i think it was
1: kind of the idyllic time of of america mm -hmm. like it was right after world war ii everyone's kind of uh yeah just like a very idyllic time and which is so
0: funny because ron howard would have been better in that seat Having gone through happy days, and that whole his mm-hmm. whole claim to fame is being on the nineteen fifties
2: mm-hmm. perfect
0: mm-hmm. idyllic. Oh, show. but it doesn't
2: get better so than Mayberry. Mayberry was yeah. I mean, right. That it's so it's so time.
0: funny that he wasn't driving that ship when that was really his wheelhouse. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and, but I love that because maybe that's one of the reasons that Truman Show still exists in such a powerful way is because they set it in a little bit of a timeless area. I was just so moved i had seen it in my youth did not do it justice seeing it recently i appreciated every performance and every choice made by everyone such a phenomenal movie
3: one thing Mm -hmm. i thought about is the ending of both movies ed tv ends he wanted to get off the show once the show ends he goes back to his life now when we watch truman he walks out into the real world what the hell is he gonna do I mean, his he's like 30 his years really old. he doesn't know. And I mean, it's like at the end of the movie, I'm like, wow, what does he do now? This was his life for 30 years. Now he's getting into the real world and nothing that he experienced is real. And I can't imagine the psychological. (laughs) All those shattered illusions. Oh, I mean, it's
0: gotta be super like fucked up. However, how exciting, because you felt like at TV, it didn't make a difference whether it was on TV or not. His life was just gonna kind of be the same. Maybe he was gonna have a girlfriend, maybe they'd work out, maybe it didn't. But you felt like that's the end of the story. Whereas the end of the Truman Show felt like the beginning, of the beginning. Story. and he's now gonna he meet his, start, the love of his life. Yep. Is there maybe? But yep. it's the beginning of everything that's real and tangible for him. How powerful is that? That's true.
1: How, But it, and then how do you relate to the real
3: world? I mean, like, it kind of blew my mind. Is like he's gonna in go into the well, real world. As, like, as, because you were in
0: the film, Jim. What did yeah. you? How did you <laughs> get into that role?
3: Well, you know what? For me, when I was when I left, the because I was very, you know, very into that character.
2: um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. Okay, so the dome, if you saw the map on the movie, it was basically in San Fernando Valley, like somewhere, uh, I know some people aren't familiar with Los Angeles, but it's on the other side of the Hollywood sign is the the San Fernando Valley. It looked like Studio City, Encino. So he was walking out into an area that at the time probably would have been pretty scary. And uh, he might've immediately gotten mugged and shot. (laughs) It's much nicer now. in in, Encino in the late nineties, you might've encountered. To a meth lab. <laughs>
1: Oh I
0: was also Born wondering shoot. if
2: there was some kind of So basically of a... Truman
0: died. Is that what you're yeah, saying? I'm, like, I'm,
2: that's, I don't want to burst your bubble, but I feel like he would have almost immediately been killed. By All him. right, so <laughs>
0: Sylvia was trying to get to him. They never connected. It was kind of, it really was over. <laughs> so sad.
1: I was for, also for sure, wondering if there was like a deleted scene that explained his stupid ring. I felt like maybe it was like a camera, but that it certainly yeah. couldn't have been a camera. Why was he wearing that stupid ring the whole time? Yeah, I, I
2: thought it was a piece of tinfoil. Like I thought it was aluminum foil. For, I was like, I thought, it so I thought it was a camera. I thought it was I was like,
3: is that a camera? Is that why he's wearing that ring? Because right, but then yeah. he couldn't
1: have gotten lost or whatever. That was the one right. thing I didn't like about yeah. the movie was his ring. So was like
0: like a homie beacon mini.
1: It couldn't have been. They could. They lost him. Yeah. Unless it was explained and deleted.
0: Yeah, it must not have been important I mean, because every other tiny thing that had any kind it's of importance really attached well. to it. I mean, you're there you're wasn't probably... any loose end that this movie yeah. left behind, which is so impressive. That's so mm. hard to do in a feature film.
3: If it was a camera or a homing device, then the end wouldn't make any sense.
1: You know,
0: it was like Lord of just, the Rings. Just, just you could track it like you know, or you could see him. was waiting for
3: him.
1: Stop. I thought it was a, a wedding ring, but then he had it in college. So who knows? Yeah.
2: How much money did it cost to make the Truman Show. It feels a lot more expensive. Oh, man. God.
0: Let's, um, let's get into it. So,
1: A billion dollars a day.
0: <laughs> EdTV Ed- had a budget yeah. of an estimated $80 million. Its runtime was 122 minutes, even though it felt like 350 where did, minutes.
2: Where did <laughs> that money
0: and go? A Truman Show had a $60 million budget $20 million less, and it built and fabricated a complete world, and it ran at 103 minutes in its beautiful, concise storytelling.
1: Just that Jim took a pay cut, I guess he was excited to do a dramatic role and took $12 million instead of his usual $20. you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> The <laughs> savings
0: go to you, the viewer. So let's talk about like, we certainly received Truman Show affectionately and EdTV a little bit on the opposite side of that. But the general audience for EdTV had an audience score of about 30 and a Rotten Tomato score of 64 from critics. So it didn't do so great compared to the Truman Show that got an audience score of pretty much 90%, 89%, and Rotten Tomato critic score 95%. That's super, super high. Steve's favorite part of the show is our Metacritic review of these properties, which uh, Jim, you can take over and you can tell us what happened with EdTV's Metacritic.
3: Yes, one of my favorite parts too. And basically because Metacritic, there's the user names are so incredible. However, EdTV did not have any Metacritic reviews. So I had to grab some from Rotten Tomatoes and from Amazon and, you know, (laughs) their reviews, but the names are kind of lame and boring. So boring. But I'll share them with you anyways. Like you said, the audience score for EdTV was pretty low, like a 30 score. So that's really low. I did pick out a review that he kind of liked. It. it was four out of five stars. This was Barry M. And he was puzzled by the low audience score for this movie, which predicts how stardom will happen in the 2000s. And often not due to any particular skill or talent, but simply for having your face plastered everywhere. So he's basically saying, you know, this is what ends up happening. So why is the score so low? <laughs> and um, he said, some lucky, unlucky people will get famous for being famous, as we know but fame has consequences, not all of them positive. A very enjoyable and funny film with heart and a serious point. So he saw it as more of like a, okay, this is kind of like a look into what reality TV is going to be like. But like we said, hmm, don't know if I agree with, yeah. Barry
2: Manilow wrote this on (laughs) April 25th, 2021?
3: Yes. yes. These are very recent, by the way. Yes, these are all
2: recent. Wow. Why was Barry Manilow
0: Out of nowhere, Barry Manilow coming out. I saw him in concert in Palm Springs. He was amazeballs. Well,
1: that's the thing. There's about... no live concerts right now. He's got nothing Yeah, th- I saw it. I, like, I was like
0: 10 feet away from Barry Menelo, and it was amazing.
2: Oh. I got to say, if he's tried to be anonymous, he picked a terrible anonymous. That's true. <laughs> Listen,
0: you know, he's he likes a little attention. You've seen his suits.
3: So the next review is, is more like kind of on par for what I think we thought. Theodore M says, I should love this movie just because I adore every actor in it but I don't. It's pure <laughs> shit. It's what? <laughs> what? Pure shit. Oh, how do you
0: really feel? <laughs> That's what
3: it says. I force myself <gasps> to give it a chance for more than an hour. It has nothing. Maybe it's just because I don't think much of reality TV as a whole. If so, one bad review won't hurt it that much. If so you're in like,
1: for the hour,
3: cut,
2: stick around.
3: Hour. I know. It's like, we didn't see the end. It was like, <laughs> blow your mind. He gave it a half star out of five. So, yeah, oh. I he did not like it.
2: Is this one of this is one of the chipmunks? (laughs) Theodore, Theodore. Theodore, Okay, cool. We got some pretty high profile, you know, (laughs) viewers coming (laughs) from Amazon or whatever. Go ahead.
3: This Amazon review came from the UK. So I figured this was kind of interesting because it wasn't from... Well, you know. and
0: British people are always like much more on point. Funny. Well, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So can you read it in a British accent, Jim?
0: Oh, oh yes, please.
3: He gave it a four to five stars. In a British accent? Oh, well,
0: yes. Well, <laughs> what's his name? His for him, name is, She or well, he?
3: It, I, this, he actually has a username, The Corm, mm-hmm. C-O-R-M. He reviewed this on my birthday... In <gasps> 2010, so that's another reason I picked this one. <laughs> it's August 31st, 2010. A good film offering comedy, a bit of romance, and more. One that can be watched by just about anyone and keeps your lady happy, as there are enough romantic bits without being
0: soppy. Yeah, wait a, minute, sorry, wait a take, minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! In defense to that, in such a huge manner. Is One this touch to a watch vibrator? Watch. Is it going to keep her happy? So like, she won't I, keep
1: yapping your ear off while you're trying to watch this film? This will keep your woman quiet for... <laughs>
0: Hello?
2: Wait, hold on. I like how he says, for just about anyone. Just about anyone. <laughs> there's a few people he admits or she admits that uh, won't like it, but just about everyone will like yeah, it. Just almost. about. And
3: your lady will like
2: it.
0: Because <laughs> there's enough romance, you know, for the chicks out there. Just yeah. there's some kill there's romance. Kill and there's some more romance. You know how women women don't like plot and shit like that. You know that. Come on. Matthew, just take your shirt off. (laughs) It's 29 29 minutes minutes into the film. (laughs) I'm on a schedule
2: here.
3: (gasps) And my lady's happy.
0: Well, all right, well, there are mixed reviews for Ed TV. Yeah. What, uh, what about Truman Show?
3: The Truman Show, of course, has some higher critics for this one. This is Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of. He said, the Truman Show finds a near miraculous balance of humor and feeling in the keen intelligence of the script by Andrew Nicole and the prodigal inventiveness of Dead to Poet Society's Peter Weir at his very best. So he is a big fan. Thank well,
2: you know Peter. that that's a good review because Jim could hardly read it good job yeah i'm gonna be actually to...
3: <laughs> well he has no. <laughs> you know the critics use these big words like miraculous and oh
0: inventiveness come on script. who can read that out loud what is what does
2: prodigal be prodigal and the prodigal inventiveness of death prodigal is like
1: re- returning isn't it prodigal well,
0: well, a, a prodigy uh, meaning yeah. like um advance beyond your years no.
1: oh okay yeah prodigal son is what i was yeah. thinking yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah. What I'm I don't guessing. think any-
0: I don't know. It was such a big word, and I'm just a girl, and I was just. Like <laughs> <a romance. laughs> I don't you think any of us are smart
2: enough to read that. We're not Where's, smart enough to understand. I
0: just want to know where the kissing is. Where's the
3: kissing? <laughs> <laughs> when did he take off his shirt? Oh, he doesn't take yeah. off
0: his shirt. <laughs> oh, thank God.
3: And then critic Rita Kempley from the Washington Post says one of the smartest, most inventive movies in memory. It manages to be as endearing as it is provocative. Or,
1: Interesting. They both use inventive.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, well, you, and you know he, what he,
1: it he, was. It kind at the time, that's one of the I
3: mean, yeah. things I think, I, think I really did like about it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, now my favorite part, Metacritic. <laughs> Metacritic. Human <laughs> show, I've had so many good ones. The time, let's if you have to cut all. some of these, that's no, fine. No, but I'm going to give them you the all, names Jim. for sure of all these. Metacritic, the f- the first review <laughs> from D Slice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> D Slice.
3: This is a is that very that
1: long one. So D stands for Dick, so probably right? Probably going to butcher this. was between Bust and Rhymes, I believe. These slides. <laughs>
3: This movie is so awesome in every way. It manages to prove that a funny man can break our hearts, which would happen again in Punch Drunk Love with Adam Sandler some, I, some time I yeah. I agree.
2: This film- that was a great, great movie. Yeah. This film
3: has one of the most original storylines from 98 and is written to perfection. The balance of originality and great writing, not to mention Carrie, isn't the only thing that delivers a powerful punch. It is the message that is explained in such a manner that even the people not searching for a Depth in the first place can find it. That is amazing the depth of thought that the writers went through to get the theme, whatever world we are born in, we will instantly believe is real, which I thought was a good line in the movie. I did write that down in my notes. It was kind of a cool line. Whatever world you're born into, that's what you believe in, which I think... Absolutely.
0: I think that's I think really Steve good. said, plus one, this is the godfather of all reality TV movies. <laughs> exactly,
3: for that reason only. <laughs>
0: it's right here in my notes, y'all. Uh,
3: <laughs> and then um, D Slice went on to say, the Academy made big mistakes in 98. One, saving Private Ryan not winning Best Picture and two The Truman Show not being nominated for Best Picture Actor Score and cinematography the first two getting a win wouldn't have been an upset to me basically if you want a wholly original film that is funny heartbreaking and thought provoking The Truman Show is one of the best picks
0: so preach preach
3: the next Metacritic review is from Pepito Shrek
2: yeah little Shrek This person doesn't think very much of themselves. Poor Pepito <laughs> Shrek. okay, buddy. Pepito
0: Shrek. Oh, but that's only because you're thinking about Dick again. This could like, be anything. And this guy. Be anything.
2: I wasn't thinking about Dick. I was thinking about a tiny little Shrek? ogre person. A little, a little ogre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ogre. Tiny ogre.
0: Right.
3: tiny
2: ogre. <laughs> a tiny Shrek. A tiny ogre is what Jim calls his penis anyway. So. Oh. <laughs>
3: this review contains spoilers. That's what he
2: said. Oh, no. oh, shit. I got to go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> just just mute.
1: Just mute. Oh, just mute
2: okay, right mute. now so you don't hear <laughs>
3: All right, the movie (laughs) is great. Don't get me wrong. But the ending was the worst thing to ever exist. Are you yeah. effing kidding me? It was bull blank. Most unfulfilling <laughs> ending ever. Where is the spice? <laughs> OMG. I am so upset. This is ridiculous. If I can give it 10 minus, I would. So Where's I is just, the
1: spice? Fuck I don't you, know. Pepito Shrek.
3: Shrek. Pepito Shrek was watching, but the end was The brilliant. best part. Brilliant. Brilliant.
1: Well, no. Pepito Shrek was he, was wanted a cover the of a. emoji movie? No, he uh, won a cover of Now I'm a Believer by Smash Mouth, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the film.
2: All right. Oh, Pepito I Shrek, you've lost Pepito. all my respect. Uh, wow. Poor Pepito. Except the ending. Yeah, oh, that, right. yeah actually, what a weird
0: thing. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. this isn't like Mission Impossible, Pepito. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying. I don't saying? know what you're expecting. Like,
1: yeah, this yeah. movie
0: was not an action flick. Yeah.
1: And, and that's the, the spoiler, I guess. Tonight, by the way, yeah. <laughs> That the yeah. ending sucks.
3: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't say what
1: the <laughs> ending. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah. Go, what? What's so bad about the
3: ending? <laughs> <laughs> it's like because everybody else thought that the movie hadn't ended. Like I know this movie is still going. Well, it's
0: about reality TV. It's still being filmed. I like it. This is like how many years later is this guy reviewing this yeah. film? Yeah. 20 years later? Okay.
2: Yeah.
3: He gave it a negative 10 if he could, so he did fine. not like it.
0: All right. What? Well, that's like, I mean, this is very on par with Steve with his rating system of plus one, plus two. Oh,
3: yeah, negative
0: 10. Minus one. Oh. Minus
2: 10 is, that's pretty bad.
0: Yeah, that yeah. is really bad. That's
3: extreme. Our uh, third Metacritic review <laughs> is from Meth. <laughs> <laughs> meth- this dude. was. It was typed very fast. Oh yeah, my God! That's for sure. Meth and at dude. Three o'clock
2: in the morning. Meth
3: <laughs> <laughs> The story was original, well crafted, and interesting. It was funny, well acted, and also pretty entertaining. The Truman Show is not your average comedy, but it is still worth the watch.
2: Who's on Meth?
1: Are I you on Meth, <laughs> I Should
3: be. on He's getting
0: into
1: character.
3: <laughs> I. Uh, it's worth worth the watch, but it's yeah. <laughs> it's still totally. Worth the watch.
0: I am super disappointed in Meth Dude. I wanted a much more manic kind of review. Yeah.
3: That's it's- Prozac, dude. Maybe it's like a method Ooh. actor. Oh, Could maybe be. that,
0: just like yeah. you in this movie.
3: <laughs> and then the last one is from Epic Lady Sponge.
0: Oh, what mean?
1: Who I'm going to say but is a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go out on it a limb. It right. uh, it's such a weird vision. Oh, what baby. could
0: that mean?
1: I don't know. No clue.
2: Know. Oh, because he's absorbing all the ladies. He's the ladies' right. Oh, I thought, yeah. at, when I first heard that, I thought it was a contraception, an epic <laughs> lady <bunch>. sponge. <laughs> yeah.
0: But now I think or, you're or right. right too. Too. The best like, tampon. Yes, I was just going to say, it was like, like a maxi pad of choice. That's what it sounds like
2: oh no he's a lady sponge he's
1: he absorbs all the ladies yeah, he's not a chick magnet he's a lady sponge <laughs> <That's> exactly right <laughs> it's the
0: new chick I'm magnet i'm going to now place that into my regular vernacular by the
3: way i'm not a chick magnet I'm, I'm a lady sponge
2: i <laughs> chew sponge. up in my mouth just now <laughs> oh that's
3: hot <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right what did epic lady oh, uh, sponge <laughs> thing <laughs>
3: they said in the world of Jim Carrey all he does is basic stuff making people laugh at his comic skills but with the Truman Show things are beginning to change for him and the movie going industry okay sure this was also comedy but it's by far more than that I didn't see it as a comedy there were funny parts it's not your average comedy
2: it wasn't really I
1: didn't see it as a comedy at all I would agree
2: this is the whole review by Epic Lady Sponge because it feels very cut off it It does it feels it doesn't even all it basically says is Jim Carrey didn't do a comedy right yeah it and, doesn't tell you anything about the movie and i
3: think maybe the reason these people maybe didn't like it that much is because they went into it thinking it was supposed to be a comedy and it wasn't because it's jim carrey and it's his it's was, dramatic
0: view. As did nobody dramatic see the movie, movie trailer before film, yeah. they went to go see this movie
1: these were written in like the last four years yeah, uh, yeah. netflix oh so jim carrey let's laugh yeah. i wonder how old these people are that's the real question that's a bunch true, of 12 right. year olds I would, someone who didn't know anything about to the know movie. more
0: i want to do a whole podcast on just metacritic Critics, who they are, how old they are, where they are, what,
2: what their names the yeah, hey, I, I was thinking that maybe I should get on Metacritic and write a review for each one of the movies that we do and then you guys choose which one is mine. I'll have to tell Jim because he's the oh. one that picks them. Yes. That's I don't like that. And then yeah. I'll pick, I, I'll write one and then you guess which one I wrote. You could be okay. a meth dude too. Oh, no, I thought my name was Iva Boner.
0: <laughs> no, that's Jim's name. Stop taking Jim's oh. name.
2: <laughs> iva Boner. Let me read you my notes real quick from, let's start with Chubichow. Chubichow, did you guys notice there was the two parking lot security guards that they would cut to occasionally as viewers one of them was the uh guy from brooklyn 99 i noticed that mm. <laughs> you mentioned it before that christoph values his own privacy beautiful shots uh the background is a parking lot a of paramount i mentioned that and one of the best innings ever those are my uh, we kind of went over all that my notes for ed Ed-TV were ed Ed-TV, one ellen <laughs> that's it
1: Oh my god. <laughs> well, real quick, just while we're talking about the people watching the Truman show, the guy in the tub played uh Napoleon in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, and, that's
2: right. Yes.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> one of the old ladies, one of the old ladies was the first to bet for Ben Richards in the Running Man. Remember that? Oh,
2: How did you know that?
1: Well, Running Man is one of my favorite movies. And so I kind of recognized her face and then I looked her up on IMDb to make sure. The Running Man was about a show that people were obsessed with that was sort of based in reality against people's will. So she was in both of those. I thought that was interesting.
2: Well, well done, Zach.
1: Thank you, well done.
2: Good work. Has has Running Man been redone?
1: It's being remade, but it's supposed to be uh, based more on the novella and less on the movie, which is very different.
0: Who's remaking it? What studio, do you know?
1: Oh, it's somebody I'd heard of. I'd have to go and look, but I can't remember. Maybe. maybe I love maybe. that
2: movie. I love that movie.
1: Barry yes.
0: M. Maybe producing
1: one of my favorite films okay so should we just go ahead and say uh, the winners
0: yeah i mean i think week? come on
2: i still vote for the 1976 version like,
1: okay. oh <laughs> yo the running man is being remade by edgar wright
0: oh okay
1: yeah that should so be really interesting. interesting um he directed the uh, sean of the dead like he did the have you, ever, have
0: you ever seen *Shaun of the dead oh absolutely Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay i'm like what you would love with it.
1: He I did Ant Man until I got taken away from him, <gasps> and that's then awesome. someone else finished it.
0: All I picture now is Jason Statham on Saturday Night Live doing the Running Man. Oh, <laughs> I would watch. I would watch two hours of that hands-on.
1: Yeah, it's just him doing the dance move, the Running Man.
0: I just yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Jason Statham does that on like the What's Up with That? It's, I could watch it for two hours. I'm obsessed with that.
2: I would have been. I would watch two hours of that over rewatching Ed TV. I preach. Ooh wee. What's up with that? Well, What's up with that? the
3: Truman Show was my favorite movie to film. So um, <laughs> that, one, that one's my choice.
1: Well, they can't take really that fun. experience away from me. I,
3: I do want to thank uh, Laura Linney. She was really fun to work with, and that oh, she's
2: outstanding.
3: That little blonde girl on, on the bus—you know—I <laughs> you know, I, I have to call her out for not recognizing me at the airport. But other than that,
2: um, <laughs>
1: that's my pick. I also just uh, had to think about, as I was watching The Truman Show, when they're casting Laura Linney's character and the girlfriend later on, you're going to act as part, but you have to have sex with this person. I thought that was just a whole other level. I don't really touch on it on the show, but it no. had to be part of the discussion.
2: Yeah, she was going to have to have a baby with
1: her. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was a
0: whole. She was getting paid for this. It was such a brilliant concept. Like it was really, really cool. It just made you think a lot in in different ways than EdTV wanted to make you think.
3: Right. And they also did mention that they were the first company to legally adopt a baby. So the company adopted yeah. the baby, which is very yeah. odd and strange. It's but that is, we're cool. always wondering like, how'd they get the rights to film this guy? And it yeah. was just a woman who was giving away her baby and the base of the corporation. Yes.
1: Five adopted. unwanted five unwanted pregnancies. Yep. And the one that was premature was yep. Truman. And he was in time for the shoot. Exactly.
3: He made the time when the filming was starting. So yeah. he was, he was on
1: cue. <laughs> well, and then I think
0: um, it was playing on work. His name, mm-hmm. true man, German. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and his last name was Burbank. You know, just that's like the a city. Uh- a city in Hollywood,
0: comedy. yeah, yeah. That's right. For those of you not in California, The hands down, what Truman Show was such a genius piece of filmmaking. and i I'm really glad I watched it
1: again, yeah.
0: I really did appreciate the idea behind a TV, but I, again, it just falls down to execution of those ideas, and I think too many thoughts not pared down and edited really made that story suffer.
2: It would work today if it was handled differently. It would probably work today. I think I agree with you on that, Amber, if they were to remake that movie under today's lexicon. It could actually be probably pretty powerful because you could throw in something real, you know, somebody gets sick or there's been times where it's been compelling the actual drama of life and not the produced sort of garbage that they throw out there.
0: What it is is its core is just picking a theme and encasing it in a reality TV situation. So just like in any movie, take it right now. One of my favorite podcasts is Script Notes. and John August and Craig Mazin talk about every week how ludicrous it is that Hollywood takes upon an IP property so silly that you could never possibly make a movie out of it, and yet they do. Like the Lego movie, that was done brilliantly, but they've thrown out like Rubik's Cube movie. The Uno movie, Mr. Clean, the movie, Slinky. The
1: these aren't movie. real. They're making these movies. No, no,
0: no. Grow. No, no. They're making all of these movies Eight Ball, the movie, Monopoly, the movie. They're taking mm. these IP properties and. Slinky? Hey, yeah. Well, they already played
1: Battleship. Look how that turned out.
0: Yeah, so think about it. But then you take a movie and a franchise like Jumanji, and that's a game, a board game, and they found a way to make it really clever. Well,
1: technically it's a book.
0: But they made, the idea was not that it's so much about this book. It's about a brother and sister or a familial relationship. Oh, I see what you're saying. Sorry. Or like a kid who is being bullied at school and doesn't have self-esteem. So the story is actually a kid getting his self-esteem steam in the new remake of jumanji so the setting is just this video game and board game but the story is something everyone can relate to that's why a remake of ed you would be picking a story that boiled down was a story about two brothers or a story about right. love yeah. or a story about wanting fame and not really realizing sure. that you don't want fame so if you took that in essence and boiled it down and built a story around reality tv it would be successful because your story would be, at its essence, something different and relatable to everybody.
3: I think as a comedy, it's kind of weird. As a drama, I think you could make, reality TV is really tragic. Get into these people's lives, and 99% of them, terrible things happen to these people. I was like, why would you put your life on TV if you have these skeletons in your claws, or if you're gonna act this way, or- It's like watching
0: Studio 54. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. What is the Slinky movie about? The Slinky movie, is it just about a guy that falls downstairs over and over?
0: (laughs) Well, we don't know yet. They're still trying to spin it into a franchise that would work, but that was the kind of the point. Well, the conversation starting this is the point. A good piece of writing can take anything absurd. You build a world around it that makes sense, like Jumanji. Of successful. course,
1: but then you can Poor take story. a. a- You can take a a property that has a rich mythology and ruin it with terrible A
0: thousand percent. So for this, it just came down again. I think too many cooks in the kitchen and not enough editing, and I'm surprised with someone like Ron Howard that he didn't get in that editing room and just be like, I think we can lose about a third of this movie.
1: Yeah, I do think Jim has a point, though. It's just like the comedy aspect in that setting, it's... uh, yes but if it were a drama I mean, yeah absolutely. there's tons tons to mine
0: well look at like shallow hell that could have been a drama mm-hmm. but you made sure. it into a comedy yeah, again yeah, it's we'll just by, yeah. it is your structure and you have to pick a direction from the beginning they were right. waffling back and forth they really couldn't decide what it was going to be i agree <laughs> That's our show for this week. Join us next time for our marquee matchup of the 2006 Unfriended versus Friend Request 2009. And I don't believe any of us have seen either.
1: Of no, this. I've never seen a social media slasher. I,
2: I'm going to vote off the top of my head for uh, Unfriended because it <laughs> sounds more scary than being friend requested. Sure. That's just my take.
1: <laughs> a friend request is like an open hug. Uh, unfriend is like a punch to the gut. Yeah. <sighs> i agree yeah i think,
0: I think zach you might <laughs> have some personal issues to work through
1: maybe so <laughs> we'll get deep into them i'm
2: sure so
0: what do you guys have coming up anything you want to plug
2: i uh, just finished wrapping foley on a new feature called silent river mm-hmm. uh directed interesting by... that
1: silent river would have a lot of foley <laughs> you
2: know what <laughs> It sounds brilliant. I'll tell you that. It's got some really interesting stuff. It's a sort of, uh, without giving too much away, it's about a relationship between a man and a woman and their journeys through existence. So Wow. It's, oh, it sounds... Interesting. So what would you... Yeah.
0: Is it like a drama? Is it... It's a
2: sort of a psychological drama. Okay. A director that I worked for in the past, the movie he directed before was called Jasmine, and uh, his name is Chan Lee. All Asian cast. It's very interesting. Is um, it in
1: English okay. or Mandarin or what? No,
2: it's in English. It's in English and it's interesting it's a it's a different sort of movie it's not like anything i've ever seen both of his movies are very very esoteric and sort of out there not a lot when of that coming out? Uh don't know just oh, finished uh, the wrapping the sound uh like a week ago so it's probably still got a few more weeks of post
0: do you know where the distribution is going to be it's going to be netflix you said probably
2: netflix or another streaming platform i'll let you guys know and then still have That's heist coming out heist is still coming out it should be really soon within the oh, that period.
0: sounds so i can't wait to see some episodes of that that sounds like such a great concept i'm really curious.
2: Yeah. True, true crime drama with reenactments. It's really interesting. Love that.
0: I know Jim's got some big ad campaigns. I don't know if he can talk about it. He's working on two different things this week at the same time.
3: I am working on two different uh, campaigns right now. They'll come out this summer. So I'm sure I'll be talking right. about them more as they come along, but uh, yeah.
1: Hey Jim, did uh, the Truman show give you any marketing ideas as you're watching?
3: They totally did. I'm totally uh-huh. going to do that. I'm going like, to like just using people to like push, them, like push them up against walls and be like, here's a car. You're Biant, exactly. Oh my God,
0: that explains so much of this weekend, Jim, and why you kept pushing me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> up next yeah, up to that next uh, to Hulu part, post. Okay. <laughs> plus, yeah.
0: plus one, Jim, plus one. <laughs> <laughs> I have season one episodes of Stillwater on Apple TV. We won the 2021 Peabody Award for Outstanding Children's Programming. We also received an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Children's Programming. And I received an Emmy nomination as part of the directing team on Stillwater. So this has been a really great year for us. You can catch season one episodes of Housebroken on Fox, airing on Monday nights, starring Lisa Kudrow. I've had a few guest appearances lately. You can catch me on Geezers of the Game with hosts Ryan and Mark, where we discuss similarities of developing stories for tabletop role-playing games as opposed to the process of developing a television series. Surprisingly more similarities than you would think. I was lucky to hang out with host Marilyn Herbert for her podcast Film Addicts, where we talk shop, roadhouse rules, and being a woman in entertainment. Really great conversation there. You can also catch my presentation at the Children's Entertainment Fest this summer. That recording is up on my YouTube page, Amber Hollinger YouTube. Super fun talking about the similarities of the storytelling devices we use in television and feature film and how that translates to the physical performers of children's entertainment. Check it out. And then if you care uh, Keith Lowell Jensen, who is a hysterical comedian with stand-up specials on Amazon Prime that you can catch, Not for Rehire is his most recent one. I was lucky and fortunate enough to be on his podcast this past week as Guest, you want to tune in and hear my ridiculous annoying voice more and his really funny cool voice please do that yeah. and that's it so um thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you next time Sound effects courtesy of the Soundly app? Go to GetSoundly.com for your complete sound effect platform. Intro and outro music for this episode is District 4 by Kevin McLoyd. Hear more like this on incompetec.com.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody, and be sure to rate us on iTunes and give us a review if you feel like it. Uh, shoot us an email at filmfightpodcast at gmail.com if there's a matchup you'd like to see. And that's it for this week. Catch us next time for another episode of the Film Fight Podcast.